0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to an audition. Dynasty Cast on RedoViz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at BetterHelp. Tune in the rest of the shows for your discount for your first session of therapy with BetterHelp. All right. Week 14 is in the books. Regular season for most fantasy leagues is in the books. A uh, very pressing matter, uh, Dan, for the 18th year in the ro- row, probably more like seventh year in a row, Russell and I have had a top two team in Kitchen Cinco and have lost in our first round of the playoffs. Um, it, it's a streak like none other. Um, our team has the greatest players on planet Earth, you know, <laughs> Eric Henry, Patrick Mahomes, Tua, and no matter who we have on our team, they are all terrible in the playoffs. Uh, we should have started Baker and Desmond Ritter. You know, I've always said Baker and Desmond Ritter over Tua and Mahomes every time.
2: That is your one-two punch. It's uh, it's truly unfortunate that your Kitchen Cinco team has such poor managing and and coaching that you would make such a terrible terrible decision. Uh, and you're right; it is a pressing uh, kind of a week. Nathan is in his vehicle, because he is here for you people. He is here for the love of the game. And everyone give him a round of applause. Don't actually do that. But we are grinding.
1: But but Dan, what's going to be funny is remember like like four or five years ago when like my audio was like a legitimate like storyline and why people hated (laughs) our show. And like this audio is probably going to be better than like most of those shows.
2: Yeah, no, A hundred percent. It already is. Uh, You you sound crisp. You sound cool. Uh, It sounds like the Nathan Powell that I know and love.
1: All right. Um, so let's get into the show. I think we're going to start with quarterbacks, right, Dan?
2: That's right. We'll dive in. We'll we'll start quarterback. We'll kind of work our way through, uh, you know, the, the good positions. We're, you know, avoiding tight end per usual as we are the anti tight end fantasy show. So we're going to start with what I would consider, aside from maybe Joe Flacco, who we'll mention, but Bailey Zappi showing up and absolutely pounding the Steelers whether they were 100% short players I don't think that really matters he came out 240 yards three touchdowns and i mean it, it this these quarterbacks on the patriots just seem to have these random games that make you wonder is this something that that could you know point towards the future i don't think the 2024 quarterback currently resides on the patriots roster for that team However, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi probably have played their way to at a bare minimum like solid backup role. Are these guys that, you know, let's say it's a it's a deep, deeply, you know twenty eight to thirty two roster spots, maybe even deeper than that. Are these guys like targets for loading up your roster with potential quarterback points just in case? I mean obviously we're all looking for the real points, the guys that are starting. But on the cheap, are, are we trying to add players that can be use, usable as backups?
1: I, I'll start by, by saying a personal anecdote. Um, Bailey Zappi is a guy who I was a fan of, a guy who I had on probably half of my Superflex rosters. And then the Patriots cut him to get Matt Coral and do some circumventing of the practice squad nonsense. And when they cut him, I'm like, you know what? If they're going to cut Bailey Zappi, clearly he has no future ever, which he probably doesn't still but uh, very frustrating as someone who I cut him in literally every single fantasy league. Um, and now he is scoring, you know, a huge game against the Pittsburgh Steelers with the old, uh, what is it? 23.3 uh, points against Pittsburgh Steelers. I still don't, I, I I think that Bailey Zappi lives in the realm of the Tyler Huntley lives in the realm of the Andy Dalton, like the type where he's going to be an NFL backup I don't ever see him threatening for a job. Obviously, when I mention Andy Dalton, I'm I'm talking about 2023 Andy Dalton, not 2017 Andy Dalton. Um, But I I think that he'll probably be a backup. I think that Mac Jones has been bad enough that he might have played his way. Like, I think when when we were talking about Mac Jones, you know, one to two years ago, when we were talking about, oh, the the worst case scenario for Mac Jones is the NFL backup. The problem is, like, you you want your backup to, like, do something. And, And in 2023, Mac Jones has done nothing. 0.0. 0.0. 0. Um, so I think if we're talking about Zappy or Mac Jones, which one would I rather have on my roster? It's Zappy for sure. But neither of, of which I think are going to be long-term starters anywhere, but I, I do think uh, Zappy, based on, you know, his college production and, you know, the little we've seen in the pros, there's some reason for optimism from a like, you know, upside backup perspective.
2: Yeah. I, I'm on board. I think with that, I, I mean, we, we've seen very, very little, that would point to positive for Mac Jones. And it, it, we've seen Bailey Zappi less, but I feel like he's done more with less opportunity in that kind of similar time frame. So I do think if I was picking between them, I'm going Bailey Zappi. I do think that he's worth hanging on to, obviously. I don't know that, you know, I, I frame the question as are you, you know, targeting any types of players to go get as those backup types. I do think Bailey Zappi is a pretty firm hold. Uh, I think there's a good chance he's probably the backup quarterback there next year. They try to get anything if at all out of Mac Jones or just cut him. Uh, But, you know, like I said, I don't think the starting quarterback is on this roster for, for 2024. Obviously they're going to play their way uh, in, even with this win, they're going to play their way into one of those top few picks and end up with Caleb Williams, Drake may, uh, or, you know, their, their pick of the litter for the other two or three guys that could be considered for first round quarterback. So, uh, yeah, Patriots are, are an inter- interesting one. We'll see what Belichick decides to do with that roster. If he continues to kind of just, you know, plug and play and bring in the, you know, the, the guys that are kind of irrelevant now and make them somewhat relevant. Like Zeke had a nice game, uh, catching a bunch of passes, scoring a touchdown, decent on the ground, not efficient, but decent. And then Juju Smith-Schuster showing up. So yeah, Patriots are interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll stay in the quarterback realm will slide to your hometown, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, Nathan, you and I will be seeing in uh, approximately one week's time, uh, just under one week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. And I got to tell you, this is, you know, aside from when he was, like, full healthy with Cleveland, this is really as good as I think Baker has played, even though the numbers aren't crazy. Like, he only had 140 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It, it's The difference is not turning the ball over, not making stupid plays when he doesn't need to, and they're only 6-7, and seven, but he's finding a way to win, which is pretty difficult to do considering the roster. Has Baker played his way to a contract extension with the Bucks Because they'll probably be picking middle of that first round, uh, maybe later, depending on if they can somehow hold on to the NFC South or win the NFC South, which is probably going to be a tall task but baker has played well is it good enough though
1: well half of the nfl is either 6 or 7 and 7 and 6 and we'll be seeing uh, two 6 and 7 football teams uh, this coming week and who would have thought you know weeks past that we were going to be seeing two teams that are currently in the playoffs <laughs> um but we'll we'll stick with the bucks here when you talk about a like quarterback like unfortunately baker mayfield i, I had some Hope for an upside, but it does seem like Baker Mayfield is like quarterback purgatory type. Like he, he's not going to be your top ten guy. He's not going to be your bottom ten guy. He's going to be in that like fifteen to twenty range. Not not enough to win you a game, but not not bad enough to lose you a game very often. Um, but the the biggest takeaway from Baker from a dynasty dynasty perspective is that he did sign a one year one year deal in Tampa, but also he's playing their record into a way where they're not going to have a shot at one of these top quarterbacks. And so I would be very surprised if they let him walk. And I'd be very surprised at this point, if they are not very, I would be surprised, not very surprised if the bucks take a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft, not because Baker is something of a surplus more. So just a lack of opportunity at one of those surplus quarterbacks. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a two or three, three year deal for Baker, maybe a, a two year with a team option for the third. Um, but, Yes, I do believe Baker Mayfield and more so Baker Mayfield in the Buccaneers record in the NFC South has played their way into, you know, multiple years in Tampa.
2: Yeah. And for reference, I mean, the guys he's scoring, at least fantasy wise with, uh, you know, the likes of Matthew Stafford, Josh Dobbs in his surprising season. Obviously, he's got a little bit more of that rushing upside. He's outscoring Joe Burrow. He's outscoring Geno Smith. And these are the are point per game basis, outscoring Deshaun Watson, uh, you, you know, and then you get some of the younger guys that are are even further down the list there. But Baker is just kind of a mid QB two right now in fantasy. And I mean, potentially even in the NFL, obviously you have a lot of these young guys that are are taking their bumps, they're taking their bruises, your your Will Levises, your Bryce Youngs. Um, I don't think Des Ritter has much of a future, but I mean, he he's kind of in that category as well. So. I do think Baker is holding his ground, and like you, I would be surprised if they move on from him, but also mostly because they, they probably aren't going to have a very good opportunity to either A, land a, a high-profile trade target, a high-profile free agent, or a high-profile draft pick. Baker may just be the best that they can do, and to be honest, they could definitely do worse. There, There's plenty of teams that would love to have this version of Baker Mayfield, a healthy Baker who has 20 touchdowns to eight interceptions, just shy of 3,000 yards. The rushing hasn't been there, but I think that's what's keeping him healthy. So all, all in all, I think I think Baker realistically is a good hold and potentially a strong buy, uh, especially around draft time when we know that they're going to be picking like 13, 14, 15, or, or maybe even a little bit, a little bit lower in that first round depending on how this season finishes so as not secure as a one you know one year deal is for a quarterback baker seems a little bit secure in that space
1: yep for sure now let's go on to a guy who isn't secure in any space other than being a helper for his nfl team and your fantasy team in the playoffs it is one joe flacco not much dynasty impact here um, that One interesting move, and this is more so an NFL discussion than a dynasty or fantasy discussion, but the Browns did let Joe Flacco go back on the practice squad. Why on earth would an AFC team not sign Joe Flacco right now?
2: Well, he's 38, man. He used all of his energy in that one game to basically target David Njoku the entire time and pepper right, Amari you, Cooper with uncatchable passes.
1: Right, But if you sign Joe Flacco, you tank the Browns.
2: Absolutely. Any, any, I mean, especially a team in, in the AFC East. Why, why not? Why not? Why wouldn't the, I'm sorry, AFC North. Yes. Uh, I'm still thinking he's on the jets for whatever reason. Uh, Yes. The, the AFC North, I mean, Pittsburgh, like, yeah, you have Trubisky. So I get it. Uh, Obviously, Kenny Pickett, Uh, Baltimore had Joe Flacco. Doesn't really make sense with how the team operates now. The Browns, and I mean, you know, the Bengals, Flacco, even as good as Jake Browning looked, I mean, just taking him away, waste a roster spot to catch up to the Browns, because their option is P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson-Robinson, right? Like, that's their two other quarterbacks, and we've seen both of them look pretty bad all in all. So, unless you really think that the Cleveland Browns defense is just going to win all of their games for them, which is possible, because they're eight and five, And this is the first time we've really seen a a spark from the offense. And it was because of a 38-year-old Joe Flacco. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, Obviously, not any long-term value. But it's kind of fun to see the Browns and and some of their weapons with a a apparent quarterback that understands the NFL.
1: And looking at his uh, stats and analytics so far with these two games against the Rams and Jaguars, 18.7% points and then 25.4 25.4 points and then he has he's 13th in expected points per game over the last two ga- or you know based on average of these two games and 8th in fantasy points over expectation per game among quarterbacks so uh, he's definitely getting the job done uh, you know a tick up for Amari Cooper or et cetera, etc etc as we get the, the playoff started uh, Jerome Ford because the offense has looked more competent uh, with Joe Flacco at the helm but I will say, in terms of a add and flip type, if you all, like, if if you're in a league that doesn't have a trade deadline and Flacco's on the waiver wire, this is your perfect opportunity to add him and see if you can do Flacco in two thirds for a second, or Flacco in a fourth for a third. Like, you know, a guy who literally has no future value if you're a, a non-playoff team or a team that gets eliminated, flip that to somebody who may possibly use him or even wants that security of like, okay, like I have two quarterbacks, but what if so and so gets hurt? So he actually has some trade value because we're in the heart of point scoring season. Like Joe Flacco, super flex quarterback doesn't have any value week five, but in a situation where you never know who's going to need a quarterback in the playoffs, Joe Flacco may be that guy.
2: Definitely. And and for the people questioning, well, if he got sent down to the practice squad, you know, doesn't that mean he's not playing? Now that, that doesn't really have any bearing unless somebody else picks him up. Like we also mentioned. So the, the Browns could simply be doing that for roster flexibility. They plan on bringing him back to see what the other two guys, how healthy they are, if they're ready to go, if this offense is better with the other two, or if it's better with Joe Flacco. I think there's a better chance that he's brought right back up to start. Oh yeah,
1: I I, I would I would be very surprised if there is a game where Joe Flacco is not in a Browns uniform the rest of the season
2: until his old bones break. Okay, speaking of old bones, uh, which apparently his bones are well, not bones, but. Muscle tissue, tendons, everything is healthier than the normal human. Aaron Rodgers, uh, officially activated. And I guess this one's very simple, Nathan. How soon do we see Aaron Rodgers? And does Zach Wilson's performance have any bearing on how soon we see Aaron Rodgers?
1: No, I mean, this is the same talking point every time we've brought up the Aaron Rodgers return. It looked more likely when the Jets kind of were in more of a comfortable playoff, or not comfortable, but a realistic playoff position, you know, early in the year, weeks four, five, six, seven, eight. But at this point, the the Jets are not really in a position where they have much of a shot at the playoffs, five and eight, and the the seven seed is seven and six, so two-game gap between them and the Indianapolis Colts right now. Uh, So I... I don't think that Zach Wilson's Zach Wilson's performance has much of a reason to do with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yes, obviously, if Zach Wilson is playing very well and and winning games, which like he did against the Texans, but unless Zach Wilson is like throwing four touchdowns a game, if they're in playoff contention, then they're going to play him. If they're not in playoff contention, they're not going to. Um, So we have four games in the season; they're two games behind. So theoretically, they have to gain a game this next week.
2: They'll they'll have to win out. I mean, they, they have to no, win no, no, no. their last
1: four. Yes, but I'm I'm saying I think that the real the realist quote unquote realistic shot for Rogers to return would be week sixteen. So that means three games of Rogers, but that has to like he's only going to come back week sixteen is if they're within one game of the of the seven seed.
2: Yeah, so they they will have to win in. It will require a win this coming week, week fifteen. Uh, but I think I'm in agreement with you. I, I think if if they find their way into uh, you know a game or so um, out of that spot, obviously being two games back now, that's as close as they can get in one week. But I, I do still think we see Aaron Rodgers in some capacity just so he can prove it. But at the same time, the Jets may also be like, hey, let's just play for 2024. Let Zach get his reps and and work work with that. But uh, it was nice to see. You know, we we saw. Glimpses, but there still wasn't much hope for Zach Wilson. We saw Garrett Wilson ball out. Brees Hall had a really nice game catching balls. Uh, Tyler Conklin even serviceable at the tight end position. So maybe that's just a Houston Texans thing, even though that team has looked much much better this year than than years past when they've just kind of been steamrolled. Uh, we also get a Jeremy Ruckert sighting in that game as well. So it's I'm, um,
1: I, I am a I am a a. Uh a former jeremy ruckert truther with him on every single watch. i did like uh so i have i have uh no one cares about your fantasy team but um i i do have a basketball team that basically once i'm out of, once i'm like out of the playoffs okay i'm gonna just add spe- more speculative players rather than guys that are scoring points and i added jeremy ruckert and he was in my starting lineup with his eight points so uh definitely i still th- Well, vouch for Ruckert being an interesting ad, um, but obviously much more of a much deeper league consideration. Let's go to the Mahomes Chiefs issues. Kadarius Toney lining eight yards offsides. (laughs) Chiefs being mad that they called the offsides penalty in that spot. Travis Kelsey making one of the craziest plays in NFL history that didn't matter. Um, I think that in terms of dynasty, terms of fantasy, you know, I'm still very much... Mahomes is the best quarterback on the planet. Mahomes is the security QB one. I do think, well, it's complicated. I do think that this year has been a wake-up call for the Chiefs because they did just throw stuff at the wall last year, and Mahomes like, okay, I'm just going to go win you a Super Bowl. And this year it hasn't been as pretty. But what's crazy is Mahomes still has a very, very, very legitimate shot at the Super Bowl, even with the, the mess as weapons. And they they have invested at the wide receiver position, with day two picks with Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore and Rishi Rice, obviously the Rishi Rice one is the one that's paying off the most, but does this year of a mess at wide receiver, does this convince them to go out and, and somehow trade for a Devante Adams or spend some bigger money at the wide receiver? I don't even know who's a free agent at the wide receiver position. Um, but is there going to be legitimate moves made that aren't just day two wide receiver picks?
2: I think they have to. I I think they, you know, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, I'm in full agreement with you. He's the most talented quarterback we've seen. All he does is win, apparently, and the Chiefs win because of him. But we see glaring holes now, you know, post Tyreek Hill, who we thought, hey, maybe Tyreek was just a product of Patrick. No, We, we were watching Tyreek Hill break records in Miami. Tyreek Hill was a problem. And the Chiefs do not have that problem anymore. Travis Kelsey, still, I mean, obvious Hall of Famer, first ballot, best tight end of all time, arguably. But he isn't the Travis Kelsey of old. Rishi Rice is nice, but he is not an alpha wide receiver. He is not a wide receiver one in the NFL. He is a perfect complement to an alpha wide receiver. Now, when you have Travis Kelsey and a perfect wide receiver two, It can be hard to find that space for a true wide receiver one. But when you're throwing the ball 45 times every game, like the Chiefs do, because, hey, you have Patrick Mahomes. They need that like they need that horse. Travis Kelsey has been that horse. It seems as though it's starting to slow a bit and they bring in some of this youth. I mean, Reishi has worked, but everything else has been a bust as far as I'm concerned. The running back room is still a problem. You know, we whether they have Pacheco or not, they have no running game. So they need to do something because this clearly isn't the same Chiefs team. They continue to win games. They're eight and five somehow. I, I don't even know how that's possible because they've looked pretty bad most of the well, year. The,
1: well, the, the somehow is that Patrick Mahomes is not human.
2: <laughs> Correct. So, yeah, you, you have Patrick Mahomes, and that's the reason you're eight and five. If you didn't have eight and five, this this team... Or if you didn't have Patrick Mahomes, this team's probably winning like two games, uh, all things being equal, even with Andy Reid, even with the greatness, whatever. Uh, So I do think there's a problem. I do think that they need a real wide receiver, one. uh, But, you know, it's still crazy to think that Mahomes can do what he can do with essentially a bunch of no names and then Travis Kelsey. And, you know, defensives, maybe defenses and teams are catching up. Maybe they're trying to figure out what it is that Mahomes does out there, even though he. He is probably one of the more unique and uh, you know creative passers in the league in league history, where he can make something out of nothing, and and it just works. So, I, I do think I do think to add, but uh, we'll, I guess we'll see. You know, someone like T. Higgins could uh, could find himself available, and that would be that to me would be a match made in heaven. But we'll get there when we get there. And before we move to the second half of the show, before we talk about a few other positions, let's hear about our friends over at BetterHelp.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data.
2: Thank you, BetterHelp, for being here with us this week. This episode is, indeed, brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com rotoviz, that's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. And in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp.
1: All right, let's get into the second half of the show. We're talking about some surprise guys from this year, uh, or, you know, breakout performances of late, or basically a, a mishmash of... RBs and wide receivers to go through. Some guys we've talked about a lot, some guys we haven't. First would be Rashad White. We're going to do a little check-in on the one Rashad White. We've talked about him a little bit when he was breaking out. He was scoring 27.9 against the Houston Texans. Uh, he has 54% of his games he's have been RB1 this season. He has 19.6 Panthers and 21.5 against the Atlanta Falcons the last two games. He's been huge. He's been a, a breakout star fantasy-wise. You know He's been the <clears throat> He's been the RB ten and PPR points per game. So, I know that you were a, you were a fan of him from a receiving perspective. You've been a detractor of him from a rushing perspective. Have ha, have you has optimism grown for more of his complete game over the over the course of the season?
2: I think his ability as a pass catcher it probably got overshadowed. And to me, it, it's like uh, it's almost like the Alvin Kamara bit, but he's not he's not anywhere near you know, the runner that Alvin Kamara was between the tackles. I mean, he's he's 15th in the league in rushing, but he's RB4 in, in, you know, fantasy points per game in PPR league. So now that to me is crazy to hear that he is RB4, but 15th in rushing. So an inefficient runner, but a very, very efficient receiver. He has looked quite good doing it. Also, I mean, staying healthy has been important. He's played 13 games. The rest of the guys on that list, I mean, they, they haven't all been there to do it. You know, Alvin Kamara missed some time. Uh, Raheem Mostert missed some time. They have been HN. He, he, you know, he obviously has been hurt. Brees Hall hasn't been looking very Brees Hall-ish, but he's still in that top 10. A lot of these guys struggle to stay healthy. And Rashad White has been a constant for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's been a constant in the passing game. So. I think we what we really need to do is acknowledge that he's probably a top five pass catching back in the NFL. And if he had some touchdowns to go with his usage, we could be having a very different conversation. I will say he's very underwhelming between the tackles, inefficient, but he's made up for some of those inefficiencies with a couple more touchdowns. But I mean, no one's keeping up with the likes of Christian McCaffrey as far as touchdown scoring goes. So when you have six seven on the year in week fourteen, there's a little bit left to be desired. And I know that that's a Bucks thing as well, but you would expect him, I think, with that usage. I mean, he's got 250 touches on the season already. You would expect probably a little bit more than seven touchdowns overall. Uh, but you know, it, th- this passing usage has been truly, truly impressive. I mean, 50 catches for just over 400 yards, only a couple of touchdowns, but. That's that's really strong.
1: Yeah, looking at our fantasy points summary, he's pretty much top ten in every category except for yards per carry. He's forty seventh, and with rushing yards, he's fifteenth. And then fantasy points over expectation per game is twenty sixth. What we found over the last few weeks, when I've been looking at this fantasy points over expectation, I feel like a lot of this stat is connected to touchdowns. Um, based on you know. Uh, touchdowns in comparison to the the opportunities so if you're getting high opportunities and medium to to low touchdowns you're going to be lower on the fantasy points over expectation and that has been the case for rashad white um but similar to the baker mayfield conversation rashad white is playing his way into there's no reason for the bucks to look at running back in the draft or free agency rashad white is the rb1 for the buccaneers in 2024 and that has value in itself from a dynasty perspective
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you you could be looking at more, you know, like a day three option to just bring in some extra, you know, to bring in some youth, to bring in some bodies, whatever. But you're right. Rashad White is the RB one there. And, you know, we see a lot of these teams with these two back sets or these two these two strong backs on the on the roster. So maybe they they try to do something like that. Some teams have had success. A bunch of teams haven't. And I think it just really depends on the bodies. But I would say you can firmly plant Rashad White into uh, into one of those higher end spots. My question is, is is his dynasty value going to be reflective of that?
1: I would imagine. I mean, I think that he's going to be a guy that rises over the course of the offseason that like there's going to be a delay. like, oh, wait. That that like that season really happened. Like, if he's being drafted like RB eighteen or RB sixteen in January, I think that'll go work its way up into like RB ten to twelve, um, as he submits himself as an RB one for the Bucks and RB one that gets passing down work. So, uh, I I do think that in terms of if we're doing a straight market play, I think he's a buy now because I think he's going to get more expensive in July August.
2: Sure. No, I mean that that definitely. That definitely makes sense. And and we're gonna be talking about a couple of guys that are probably gonna have similar value. And I don't know who I'm picking out of this bunch. So we'll we'll move on from the Rashad White talk. I, I do think he's probably going to be in that mid RB2 conversation with obvious room to grow. He could get into that fringe RB one. Uh, but that you know, that top 10, 12 is so stacked right now that I would I would find it tough for him not to get into that or to find it hard for him to get into that conversation on, you know, unless we see some growth uh, between the tackles. So the next running back on our list here is Kyron Williams. I have no idea what to do with Kyron Williams, but he looks so good when he's out there. And I mean, he's got to be probably in the same ballpark as Rashad white or am I crazy? No.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that more people are in on Williams than white um, and if you are a believer in touchdown regression, you should be more out on Williams and more in on white. Cause you think that, Oh, Williams has just been a huge t- touchdown producer and that's not going to, you know, stay consistent next year and, and throughout the next few years. But yeah, I mean, I, in terms of straight up Williams versus white at this point, I, I do think that white, I think white holds the edge, both uh, short, uh, both floor and ceiling wise. Um, but I do think that Kyron Williams might have the better like median play. I know there's a lot of just verbiage there. But I I I think if if you want a safe play, I think it's it's white. And I think it also has a little bit of higher upside. But I think that more in more outcomes than not, Kyron's gonna be higher, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, people look at the points and they don't really think about the touchdowns. I mean, he's got 75 fewer touches on the season. Obviously, only playing in nine games, scoring as the RB three in points per game in those nine games. Obviously, Devin a. Chan and Christian McCaffrey ahead of him, but he also has 10 touchdowns, so he has a few more touchdowns on. You know, about 75 fewer touches. He also has, you know, more yards on about 50 fewer carries than the likes of the Rashad Whites. So, I mean, he's beneficent. We would expect the touchdown regression, but we've been burned by that in the past too. I mean, we, you expect guys to go backwards, and it just doesn't happen. And that's just kind of their baseline and and how they're built into the offense. I mean, the offense is very much, be- very clearly better with him on the field versus him not on the field. So, um, yeah, we I
1: mean, we talked about a few weeks ago that the Rams have played this like, uh, you know, circle of inefficient running backs over the last few years. And Kyron is showing like, Hey, like we don't have to have bad running backs.
2: Definitely. So I think, I think Kyron again, much like Rashad white. And, and at this point I'm taking Rashad white over Kyron Williams, but I think they're essentially in like a back-to-back order, wherever you place them, 16, 17, 18, probably somewhere in that range, you know, maybe, maybe a touch lower, but uh, when you're out there scoring points, man, it's really hard to have these guys lower when, when they're getting their spots taken by Najee Harris and Isaiah Pacheco and Derek Henry, uh, and the next guy on our list, James Cook, who has his games has been underwhelming at times. Most times I would say not, I guess not scoring the way we want him to be scoring in this Buffalo offense, but he's being valued so much higher than some of these other guys not like a crazy amount, but again, James Cook is somebody I would have in the same group with the Kyron Williams, with the Rashad White, but he's put up on the pedestal because Josh Allen.
1: Yes, but I still think that there is a a sector, which I was part of this sector, that d- they do see him as more of a satellite back, but he is 18th in attempts, and he's uh, 16th in opportunities, 12th in yards per carry. Those numbers don't necessarily scream satellite back. They don't scream workhorse either. They don't scream satellite back. So I think James White. I mean James Cook has shown us he can do a little bit more with more opportunity than maybe some were expecting. As a guy who basically didn't even get ten carries per game at Florida State. Uh, but I think when you talk a uh, guy who is a pass catching threat, um, a, a guy who does have the fifth fifth most receiving yards among running backs, sixth and fantasy points over expectation, twentieth um, and PPR points per game, twenty five point one in the big game against the Chiefs. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to buy in more and more on James Cook. And of these three, if if any of these three are a buy high, I feel more inclined to buy high on James Cook. Maybe that's the Josh Allen bias, though.
2: I also think he's most due for positive touchdown regression. I mean, he's only got four on the season, but he's effectively been an efficient Rashad White. Uh, You know, Rashad White has a few more touchdowns. Kyron Williams, that's pretty much all he does is score touchdowns. But James Cook catching 38 balls for 391 yards and three touchdowns, carrying the ball 163 times for 790 yards, but only one touchdown. We know how much Buffalo loves to use their weapons in the red zone, the Dalton Kincaids, Dawson Knox's, uh, even Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen running the ball. So maybe it's just an opportunity thing, and that's not something we'll see from James Cook unless it's a pass play where he's catching these passes and scoring a couple of touchdowns here and there. So I do think James cook is, is probably overdue for positive touchdown regression. And I think like you, I would prefer him on this list of, of these specific running backs, these three, and I I would feel more comfortable with him, even though he's scoring less, it's essentially all touchdown based.
1: Yep, for sure. All right, let's go finish the show with some wide receivers. Um, You brought an interesting name to the table that I've really been considering this fantasy season, mostly because it's been an unexciting offense. Cortland Sutton, where, where are we at with his dynasty value?
2: Well, to me, he's been someone that's kind of always been undervalued. He has 10 touchdowns on the season. Yes, unsustainable. However, he's showing us time and time again that he is one of the, like, Alphas in the league at these 50, 50 balls made an incredible one-handed catch this week. Uh, And it seems like week after week, he, it's just it's double digit points. He's wide receiver 19 on the season with only 53 catches for 700 yards, but the 10 touchdowns. So being held up a bit by those touchdowns, like I mean, it propped up by those touchdowns, but this, you got to remember this Denver offense looked so bad for a while. So he's really been doing this, more of late uh i think you said something like six out of seven straight games with double digit points and the one that wasn't was just shy and now obviously double digit points isn't a great threshold but we know he's scoring He he's up there i mean he's he's been he's been as effective as Devonte adams he's outscoring garrett wilson he's outscoring dk metcalf uh i mean he's right there with chris olave debo samuel all of and debo has only played 11 games but all of this information and yet Cortland Sutton's value it remains very low. It, it, are we just off or are we just considering this season as an outlier?
1: I I don't know if outliers right. I think he is what he is. I think he's an uh, he's a wide receiver two in fantasy. I think he's closer to an NFL wide receiver one than we were than some were thinking prior to the season. Twenty-three percent of his games have been wide receiver one. And 31% of his games have been wide receiver, two, So that makes for 54% of his games he's been a top 24 wide receiver, which is very solid in an offense that hasn't exactly been great. Uh, but, you know, he's definitely taken advantage of mediocre play by one Jerry Judy. Seventh in fantasy points over expectation. Second in total touchdowns. Um, and then 19th in PPR points. So, yeah, I the way I see Cortland Sutton is I see him as a high floor low ceiling play at this stage of his career in the in the offense that he's in. Um he's not gonna get a lot of talk. I mean like this is definitely Cortland Sutton is definitely the type of buy that you want in terms of I want a guy who you don't have to pay for the name recognition. You don't have to pay for the offense he's in. You're just gonna get those wide receiver two points. That's Courtland Sutton right now.
2: Yeah and you know he's 28, which I get isn't super attractive, but this is the prime of his career. So as a contender Cortland Sutton's about as good as it gets for cheap points. All things could be, can being considered, you know, Keenan Allen has been absolutely blowing it up as well, but there's so many guys that are, are in that, you know, their upper twenties that are being valued much higher and, you know, have those games, you know, you Deontay Johnson's your Christian Kirk's I'm taking Cortland Sutton over those guys. And then if you look at the, the younger end of the spectrum, I'm taking him over Quentin Johnson. I'm taking him over uh, Jamison Williams. I think he's probably right there with Rishi Rice. It, I might even prefer him to Jerry Judy, even though Jerry Judy's only 24. Uh, we just, we haven't seen it from Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Just, I feel like he is that, that consistent guy. Not he's not ever going to take the top off the defense. That's not his game, but he, like you said, is a high floor player and he's not being really treated as such. He's being treated much more volatile.
1: All right, let's wrap up the show with a breakout performance. Let's talk for 30 minutes about Desmond Ritter. Are you down there?
2: <laughs> no, but I'm willing to talk about his teammate for about 13 seconds.
1: All right, we have Drake London having his best game of his career: 10 catches for 172, just short of that touchdown that would have beaten the Buccaneers. What a shame! What a shame that the Falcons can't be leading the division. Uh, but I know that you know you've been a long uh, disparager of the Falcons' offense. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, uh, Arthur Smith is ruining uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. Are we starting to see a glimpse, or is this a a mirage with this huge game from Drake London?
2: Well, I I mean, there's obviously hope. You know, Drake London, for all things being equal, is young Cortland Sutton, minus, I think, what we haven't really seen the 50-50 uh love from him quite yet and we've pretty much seen that through Cortland sutton's whole career but they're they're kind of that same guy that maybe that forgotten that forgotten you know by left by the wayside wide receiver even though he still carries a bunch of value it seems uh, he's not really talked about all that much and i think it is because it's this falcons offense and how just gross it is now he's he's only averaging like 12 and a half points per game He's got 56 catches for 745, only two touchdowns, which Atlanta, we know they're not scoring a lot of touchdowns, but I mean, he, he, we see more out of him than a lot of these other guys that people really, really have been leaning on and, and talking about and chasing, uh, you know, your, your, your Terry McLaurins, your Chris Godwins, your Hollywood Browns, uh, guys scoring similarly older scoring similarly, but I mean, why why not why not pay a little bit to get Drake London on your roster and just kind of wait out Arthur Smith? Because there's no way he lasts past 2023.
1: I mean, he does. Like, it's a problem with the NFC South. Like, will will the the Bucks winning the division save Todd Bowles? Will the Falcons winning the division save Arthur Smith? Like, um, unfortunately, one of those teams is going to win the division and keep their head coach. I I think that Todd Bowles is probably the one that is most likely to lose their job paired with winning the division. Uh, But yeah, I, in terms of Drake London, I'm very much a buyer in the talent and willing to, you know, sacrifice some of the short-term scoring for the long-term upside of like, Hey, this, like in the the correct offense, Drake London is a top seven to eight NFL wide receiver for in my mind. And so I'm willing to, you know, gamble on the upside of the coach being the problem.
2: Okay. We'll close it out with a couple of uh, pickums here drake london or devonta smith devonta drake london or dk metcalf dk brandon ayuk, ayuk. <laughs> this is... t higgins
1: higgins i guess i don't like london keep on going
2: <laughs> michael pittman
1: That's a toss. That's toss. Like for me, that's toss up. It's like if I need immediate points, give me Pittman. If I'm if I can wait, then give me London.
2: All right, we'll go young, and then we'll go establish Jackson Smith and Jigba. Give me London, and we'll finish up with I think constantly hated, but DJ Moore. Give me DJ. I I think I'm in agreement with all of those. I do still think I take JSN over Drake London, but with what we've seen from Drake this year. And you know, a little bit of of, of last year, I, I think that one probably should be flipped. I think I'm probably on Drake London for that one, uh, but staying on the other side of the fence for the rest. So I mean, if we're talking about a fringe wide receiver one in Dynasty, I mean, those are the guys he's gonna be up against. Like I have Jordan Addison way above him. Like that that one's not even close to me. Um, Devonta Smith, same thing. DK Metcalf, same thing. So in my world, he's probably like yeah, I mean, a mid wide that- receiver two.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, Metcalf is the one that it's like. Which Metcalf is still fairly young, but Metcalf is the one where it's like, if you're rebuilding, take London. If you're not rebuilding, take Metcalf. Like that's the.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're they're three years apart. I mean, Devonta Smith twenty five, DK twenty five, Ayuk twenty five. So and and DJ Moore twenty six. So all these guys are kind of in that same ballpark. Drake London came in young. He's only twenty two. So you are going to have that those few years extra on top uh, for your uh, for your window here, but. It's it's an interesting one for sure. I think he kind of slots in in that like wide receiver eighteen to twenty range, just by default because of the guys that are in front of him. But I think he definitely has earned that spot. I don't think I don't think we're too high or too low on Drake London. I think that's just where he falls.
1: Yes, and I but I will say so. We, I went opposite side of London with almost all those guys, but I think that out of all the guys you mentioned, theoretically, London is the only one. Maybe one of two that could be a top five dynasty wide receiver this time next year. Like the upside is huge. It's just that the floor is lower in his current offense. So, but if if the balls bounce right, I think he or JSN could both vault a lot higher than where they are.
2: Yeah, I, I mean that's definitely possible. I think it's going to be tough to surpass Devonta Smith and DK, but you know, they're, like you said, they're young enough, and if they take that step, they both could they both could make a pretty sizable leap.
1: Alrighty, that should wrap us up for week 14. Good luck in your fantasy playoffs for week 15. I know that I'm still crying about my Kitchen Sinko loss, but I have Kitchen Sink 3, so, you know, this is the year. Uh, I've, I've poured lots of money into the Kitchen Sink Leagues. Maybe I'll make a buck or two this year. That should do it for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadosh.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. Save50 dollars on each four-week food kit you purchase plus get free shipping on ready hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. At my Patriot supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 pm and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop mypatriotsupply.com today. Mypatriotsupply.com.